Good Sunday morning, Iowa. It's Dr. Rick Godding. And thank you once again for spending a little bit of time with me here this morning. And something to think about. It's it, We're past the solstice. Uh, one thing about Christmas is it's uh, right around the solstice and, and the days are getting longer. And I can really actually tell a big difference now. Um, you know, now that we're uh, um, well, almost six weeks out. Well, five weeks out. Oh, thank goodness. I tell you, I, I like winter from November to Christmas. And then uh, and then I would just like to shut it off. And I think, uh, you know, my wife and I are trying to figure out what we're going to do when we retire. As that's coming around. I mean, it's not right around the corner, but yeah, I guess it is. A few years. We'll probably graduate when my youngest daughter, who's in seventh grade, graduates high school. I mean, I'll probably retire when she graduates high school, which is, you know, five years after this year, so five and a half years. And, uh, boy, you know, we look at these winters and we, we know we're going to be snowbirds of some sort. And after living in Hawaii for 10 years, we may snowbird in Hawaii. We'll see. We'll just see. I don't know. Checking out little places in the, in the Caribbean and just different places. I don't know. Maybe we'll go somewhere different every year. I don't know. I don't know, but I don't think Iowa winters are going to be on our list of retirement things that we want to do. I know there's, it's funny, when my dad, um, before he passed, he lived down in Florida, and he had tons of farmers from Canada who actually would come down to Florida for the winter, and uh, can't blame them at all, of course. And I find here in Carroll, a lot of the farmers go to Texas and, uh, and Arizona. You know, I think it's just a matter of, for some of them, just being able to drive down and all that. Florida, certainly a whole lot farther. And if you don't care about the beach, although Texas has some nice beaches along the Gulf Coast, it's not uh, it's not Florida, we'll just say that. So, and I was thinking, I was thinking about beaches today, I was thinking about my uh, my internship year. So, internship is the year after medical school, so... So the way it is, is, is you, it's a process called the match. So you, you apply and you rank what residencies you want to get into. And then they rank you. And then you, and on match day, everybody back in the day, everybody got an envelope and they found out where they were going for the next three to five, six years in my case. And so... You know, orthopedics was, it's always really competitive to get into. So I was, you know, I was on pins and needles. You know, you're never sure you're going to get in. And so I got into my first choice in New York City. And just happened that the place where I was did not offer an internship because the chairman of orthopedics there, he didn't get along real well with the chairman of surgery. And he, you know, for whatever reason, he said, all right, well, I'm going to send my interns out and go get their own year. So I uh, had to what you call scramble, okay? So what that means is, so I matched into my orthopedics, but, it, but my orthopedic program did not offer an internship year. And the internship is the first year before the residency, and the residency is, is orthopedics, and I did a general surgery internship, which is what you do if you're going into orthopedics. You go to a general surgery year, and then you go into orthopedics. So... I was scrambling, right, which means you go up into the office with the dean 
and they give you a list of places that are open. And I started scanning the list and I saw two places that I was interested in. One was uh, Utah because I love to ski and the other was Hawaii because I love to surf. And so I called Hawaii first, of course. See, And I remember I got on the phone with Dr. George McFeeters was his name. He was the chairman of the internship and residency program at the University of Hawaii in Honolulu. And he... He literally, I I called him up. I said, hey, my name is Rick Gotting, and I'm graduating from Georgetown, and I matched into orthopedics, and my orthopedic program in New York City doesn't offer a re- an internship. So, you know, I'd like to come out there. And he he then started quizzing me. <laughs> he said, okay, so you have a 57-year-old male who comes in with abdominal pain, and, you know, gave me this big, long, I was like, oh, wow, okay. And anyway... I'm not sure if I got the answer to it right or not. He said, look, you know, you're coming out of Georgetown. You matched into orthopedics. We're, we're going to take you all day. So very excited. And I, I, I moved out to Honolulu just immediately after school. I mean, I basically got, you know, Georgetown's in Washington, D.C. I basically got, I stopped, I drove my car back to Oklahoma, saw my mom. I sold the car. Flew out to see my dad in Boulder, and then, boom, I was off to uh, Honolulu. It was a while before internship started, but hey, you know, I was interested in going out sooner. So I lived in Waikiki Beach because that's, you know, it was close to all the hospitals, and that's kind of the hot spot. That's where all the, the bars are and all the clubs are, and, uh, and there's great surfing. And I lived in this high-rise about four or five blocks off of Waikiki Beach, and I could walk so I, I would go to work and I'd come home I'd grab my surfboard I'd walk down to the beach I'd paddle out and uh, uh at Waikiki Beach and catch some nice waves and then the sun would start setting and out on the patios of all the hotels that were facing the water they always had Hawaiian music like live Hawaiian music and the torches would light up it was just so beautiful and other days I would go to Diamond Head which is a few beaches over you're up on a mountain, well, it's a crater, and then you walk down and and then you walk way down these stairs and you surf. And I had this little red convertible and I would put my uh, guitar in the trunk and I would come up after a surf session and uh, play my guitar while the last of the sun left the left the sky. And then it was just, and then, and then I go to the North Shore in the winter and surf up there after work. It was just, it was awesome. It was really amazing I was just I just got to thinking about it today number one because it's so cold and number two I heard a song in the OR they were playing some music and one of these songs that was super popular at that time frame came on and I guess you know if you had the choice to go live one year of your life again boy you know it would be tough so my my internship year in Hawaii was really good but I really enjoyed my time in New York City, my residency. I really enjoyed my fellowship in Australia. And I really enjoyed living in Hawaii, especially when the kids were little. I used to surf at lunch there and come home, and my wife and I would put the kids in the stroller and walk two blocks down to the beach and watch the sunset. I'm really torturing myself because it's four degrees outside right now. But... uh, So anyway, summer's coming, and, and summer in Iowa is quite nice. There's three or four weeks where it's a little rough, but um, I really enjoy summer here. And uh, 
you know, I'd probably prefer to be on the beach, but, but it's nice here in the summer and I like the clear skies and I like to go to baseball games and that kind of stuff. And, uh, this summer, Ragbri is coming through Carroll for an overnight stop. So, you know, I didn't, I don't really know that much about Ragbri. I know my neighbor used to ride it and I, I know it's this ride across Iowa, but I was reading about it and I guess there's 8,500 registered full riders, like, uh, 8,500 people sign up to ride the whole thing. And, and then, uh, they have 1,500 day riders every day. So basically 10,000. So if you figure, yeah, I mean, even if five or 8,000 of them are in Carroll for the day, it's going to be pretty hectic. And I'm, I'm sure all the restaurants and, uh, stores are very, very happy about it because they'll be, I'm sure, selling out like crazy. And I wonder if they'll, I mean, it, it almost seems like they would almost bring food trucks up because there's just, I don't know if you could feed that many people. Eh, I guess you probably could. I don't know. It's it's all over my head. I don't know anything about the logistics of it, but uh, it's uh, kind of a cool thing. And I've never done it. And I ride my exercise bike, but I do kind of short interval training, so I don't really ride long, but, you know, the Carroll to Ames leg, starting in Carroll, you know, it might not be a bad thing to do, I'll have to check the dates and all that, but, you know, I mean, it'd be kind of cool to just uh, ride out of, out of my garage and ride to Ames with 10,000 people, although I don't even know what day of the week it's here. But, uh, but yeah, so, you know, I, I know it's freezing and it's been icy and everything, but it is getting warmer. It is, it is getting lighter and, uh, and every day we can just continue to look forward to to more of that. And before you know it, we'll be planting. And, you know, I used to, I used to have a pretty big garden and over the last few years, I just, it's, I've just been too kind of busy to do it, frankly. But that's uh, that's another one of those things I look forward to in retirement is is just having a having a garden again. And my girls, I used to have them out in the garden when they were younger, and they had chickens, all that stuff. But I miss that stuff. I miss the uh, I miss the peacefulness of that. And there's just nothing like some food that you grew and throwing it on the plate and eating it. I used to make some fried eggplant, and when I grew some eggplant, you know, just all kinds of stuff. Anyway, I guess I'm just waxing on about uh, about summer because it's just so nasty. It's just so bitter cold, but it is turning. And, uh, you know, it's interesting this year, I've not seen as many uh, fractures. Uh, now, I say that and I just, you know, I operate on fractures pretty much every week. But there was last year, there was times when I would do five or six a week. And I haven't really seen that this year, so I'm, I'm hoping just people are being safer. Um, you know, we did, we talked a lot about that last year about, uh, fall safety. I haven't really, I don't think talked about it as much this year, but man, you know, you've got to, especially once you're over say 50, uh, but even younger, you just got to pay attention to where you're walking when it's this cold. Cause you can get that ice on the sidewalk and you're just down. Um, I, I had a relatively younger woman who just actually had, had two this last week. One one uh, person ruptured a ligament in his knee and had to be fixed, and the other one 
broke her wrist and her shoulder. So, I mean, they are out there, but I, I, it hasn't been as many, but I, you know, you never know why things happen, but I, I like to think, I like to think maybe if I put it out there enough times that, Hey, you really need to pay attention. You really need to be safe and be thinking about it. And if you're old and a little unstable, use a cane or better yet a walker. Anytime it's that cold out, I like to think maybe I prevented at least one fracture. So we're going to be starting up a program pretty soon here. And it's, uh, it's called the billion pill pledge. And, it's a company called Goldfinch Health, and they got together with the Attorney General of Iowa, and they took some of the money that was uh, given out in the uh, opioid lawsuits because uh, the Purdue family was intentionally found to be lying to doctors about how addictive their product was and pushing it on people and got so many people, and we all know that there's an opioid crisis. But the family and the company that sort of created that problem, paid billions of dollars in a, in a settlement, kind of like the tobacco settlement. Some of that money came to Iowa, and uh, Goldfinch Health is a so sort of a medical informatics company. And I had worked with them three or four years ago down in Corden, and they were doing something. They were doing this sort of patient flow thing after the operating room, you would the patients would download an app and they would they would just kind of help guide through the post-operative process. And it just it did it didn't really work out. It was a great idea. It kind of didn't work out that well. I mean, part of it was a lot of my patients weren't able to download apps on their phones. I mean, uh, just you know, some people aren't all that tech savvy. So this this program though, what it is is through the use of support. When what's going to happen, you're going to come to the office, we're going to give you a kit, and in that kit is some information and uh, like a little cold pack. I don't know what that's worth because we already, we already give those, uh, you know, the nicer ones with the pump on it. And you're going to get a little bag, and the bag you can pour your pills into, put water in the bag, and you can throw it right in the trash so you don't have to worry about getting it to the doctor's office or to, a, you know, because they say don't flush them because... Uh, then it goes into the water system and all that stuff. And then there's going to be a nurse that's going to follow up with the patients. And uh, so Goldfinch came to me with this idea because they knew they had worked with me before and they knew that I was really progressive in my pain management. Um, they wanted their goal is to get everybody doing pain management the way I'm doing it, uh, which is multimodal. And I do the IOVERA before. We've talked all about it the multiple blocks, the multiple different medications and I I go pretty low on the opioids but we're trying we're going to try to even make that lower. We're going to try to ratchet it down incrementally and see cuz part of it is just because it's better for you not to use opioids and the other part is that uh I mean people have grandkids, right? And uh you know those kids are smart enough to know that if grandma had a knee replacement she might have some pain pills. I'm not saying every kid. I'm saying it happens though. So to get those out of the mix quicker is a is a good thing. And then just you know to have people not have to just keep those around and uh, and then to overall diminish their use of the opioids. And one, opioids we're talking about hydrocodone, oxycodone, which is Percocet, Vicodin. Those are the name brands of those two. And then there's some other stronger ones that we don't use all that much. But I thought it was a really neat. 
thing to try, and they came to me, and there's they originally were going to do 10 hospitals in, 10 rural hospitals in Iowa, and then they've, I guess, they were calling me last year, and I was so busy at the end of the year, I was like, I can't do it now, but now when we finally caught up in late January, they said they'd had a couple or three hospitals have a month's worth of data, and they were super excited, and so they've already started to expand, so the idea is, again, to decrease the amount of opioids that the patient is taking. And there's also a drink that you will drink the morning before your surgery, which has been shown to kind of overall help. And it's just really kind of like Gatorade, basically. Um, But it's a little bit more specialized. Um, And it's been uh, been shown to help reduce, to improve your post-operative, your overall, the way you feel. So we're going to be piloting that out pretty soon here. And, And again, I mean... I'm going to try it and see how it goes. That's what I always do. I always, you know, if it, if it starts to work out and patients are happy getting these calls from the nurses and the nurse is going to say, okay, so, you know, have you taken your Tylenol? Have you taken your gabapentin? Have you taken your tramadol? You know, then maybe you should try those before you do your hydrocodone and just a little bit of guidance. And I think that we're just going to have to see some patients are probably really going to like it. And some patients might not want the calls. I never really know how these things are going to work out, but I always think, you know, things like this are, are worth a try. And, you, you know, you get a you get a cool little lunchbox. <laughs> it's, it looks like one of those lunchboxes, a little like when I was a kid in the 70s. And in that is your, your drink and your your information and your, um, your little uh, refreezable ice bag thing and, and all that stuff. So I don't know. We'll see how it goes. It's called the Billion Pill Pledge, and uh, it's Goldfinch Health. It's the company, and it's a it's a local startup. So I'm I'm happy to work with them. That's that's exciting. And they and they it doesn't cost the patient anything because the money is coming from the lawsuit settlement from the pharmaceutical company that hooked all the people on the opioids. You know, back in the about eight or ten years ago, somewhere in there. For a couple years, there was this new push, and they were said pain was going to be the fifth vital sign, you know, because you got pulse, temperature, breathing, and uh, consciousness, and they were going to make pain the fifth vital sign. And they were really going to say that if there were there was a real push that if you don't adequately control your patient's pain, that that was going to be a negative quality indicator for you. And right as that was coming out was when the opioid crisis was really hitting. So I'm sure that was being pushed by the pharmaceutical industry because once the opioid crisis hit, that went away. I never heard another thing about it um, because we realized that, uh, you know, that what was being told to us was wrong. I used to give people just, I mean, almost endless amounts of opioids after their knee replacements. And, you know, they... And I never really got anybody addicted, but it just wasn't good practice. But we were told and we believed and even, you know, these doctors who were, were paid by the pharmaceutical industry to tell us that everything was fine. So the whole thing was a scandal. There was a there was actually a great Netflix documentary about it that I saw not too long ago. It's called The Pharmacist. You might want to look at that. It's very interesting. Uh, but anyway, that's what we're doing. We're, we're waiting for spring every Every week we get closer and uh, keep yourself safe out there on the ice and you have a blessed week, Iowa.